This is what it takes to buy a six-figure content website. Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Robin, who is a Bob member, who was a surgeon, now turned online business owner and real estate investor. He chose to start buying and scaling online businesses so he can have more time freedom and ski more with his friends and family. He now focuses on building his online business portfolio and continued learning in the space. And this podcast episode is an absolute gem. It's almost a full hour of Robin and I talking about buying online businesses. We talk about why he decided to buy a business, what he used to do for work, why he quit that as a job and bought a business, and how he started this whole online business thing with absolute no idea of how online businesses work. He didn't even have any social media accounts. He had to get a Facebook account just to become a part of the Bob community. We also talk about how much time he actually put into the whole buying process of buying a site, what inputs he needed to put in to be able to get the result of buying a great website and what it actually took him. We also talk about how he was able to get the site that he did buy for cheaper, lesser than the listing price and much lesser than the listing price as well. We also talk about ad backs, why Brokers actually add these in or sellers add these in as ad backs and why you can fight them or how you can fight them if you actually know how. We always talk about what he bought the site for in terms of her amount, the multiple and the type of website he bought. We also talk about what he's gonna to do to grow it and his next steps for the future. We talk about so much with due diligence and things that you can learn that can benefit you in the buying process of buying the right business. A lot around great mindset of buying a business and how you can tackle some of the challenges that may be coming. And lastly, Robin shares his advice to anyone thinking of buying an online business. Now this podcast is so damn valuable. We mentioned due diligence in it multiple times. If you don't have my framework that I use, what Robin's use and what everybody else has used to save themselves millions of dollars and make themselves millions of dollars from buying a great business get that at buyingonlinebusiness.com for that's free resources there'll be links to that in the show notes let's get stuck into this podcast episode hello welcome to the podcast thank you for having me excited to have a chat with you uh congratulations you just bought your first online business how does it feel that feels great it's um it was a, you know, it took a little while for me and I did a lot of preparation, but um, it feels really good. A lot of preparation, took a while. Let's dive into those sorts of questions soon and, and what was involved with it. But why, I want to ask you why an online business? Like, why did you decide to go down this route? How did you discover it? How did you find out about this Jared Krause guy? Like, how did this all unfold for you? <laughs> Well, Jared Cross is a real famous guy, so everyone knows him. But um, the way it started was, you know, about about a year and a year and a half ago, I was looking for other assets to invest in. Um, I've been a real estate investor for nine years, and um, I'm a, also a doctor, a, a recently retired doctor. But I realized in order to prepare for retirement, I needed um, multiple sources of income. Um, these days, you know that the um, interest rates and the you know the ability to invest is getting more expensive so i looked at different avenues and online businesses came up um, to the forefront and so to get out of like you're doing real estate you've been doing real estate for nine years you just wanted a different uh, asset or what you know what were you what sort of asset were you looking for yeah i was looking for an asset that had a higher ROI. 
I, I was looking to enter the, the digital economy, um, but also I wanted an asset that would afford me freedom over the long haul to be able to make it more passive depending on my appetite for for work and also to be able to do it from anywhere. And there are not a lot of semi-passive to passive assets that afford you all of that. But it sounded like online businesses was a way to go. With the ROI, um, you can send me passive, mostly passive, but the ROI isn't as, you know, cash on cash basis isn't it is in online businesses and that might change over time because online business is relatively new. Not so many people know about it. So how did you yeah. just like, how did you decide the difference between buying a brick and mortar business or an online business or was brick and mortar not even a thing? Yeah. I mean, I looked into creating businesses, um, brick and mortar ones, whether investing in restaurants or, you know, retail businesses, but they all have, you know, limitations, you know, as you know, these days getting um, money to finance these businesses is coming more difficult. Finding folks to work in a reliable fashion um, is, is a little more difficult. I think people are interested in working for themselves, either as gig workers or things like that. And online businesses thrives on on outsourcing such employees or, or people, like people who want to work for themselves, who like writing or who like doing SEO work, but on their own terms. So that's why online businesses made sense, especially now. And as people start, as the economy moves more digital and, and more um, work from home type um, scenarios, it makes sense to invest in online businesses. I remember when you emailed me, uh, when, when we first started chatting, you yeah. had a bigger goal uh, of getting into online businesses for just ROI and cash. What was your personal goal for buying an online business? Yeah, I mean, it, the our email started with me looking for someone to help me coach the next phase of my life. Mm. And so you were, open to that and actually had some great ideas. Um, and I'd asked a lot of different online types of coaches. I mean, you were no strings attached. I mean, this is what I would do in your situation. And ultimately my goal was to leave my day job, uh, which is a busy job. It's, you know, I'm a surgeon and there's not a lot of wiggle room to do other things as a surgeon. Um, I was able to invest in over the nine years in, in properties, but I wanted I wanted some some more um, diversification, and so online businesses seem perfect. So you you helped you shepherded me through the process. Obviously, people are scared when they don't know about a new asset like this. And you said, "Listen, based on your decades of experience and in your own story, which was very similar in terms of wanting to you know have control over your life, mm. like I did, it." It resonated with me. I remember the hours. How many hours were you telling me you were working? You were working, I can't, working quite a lot of hours as a surgeon, right? It's a pretty demanding job. Yeah. Yeah. And not only the, I mean, whether it's 60 to sometimes more a week, but it's a type of work. It's, um, you know, although it's, it's definitely rewarding uh, being a doctor at some point, you know, it takes a toll on you, the responsibility of, of lives. And, and by the way, I, I don't, I don't uh, dismiss it by any means. And, and I highly respect 
all of my colleagues, but it was time for me maybe to um, do something less strenuous. So not only hours, but the type of work um, and, and the stakes of the work, you know, they were building up. It's like uh, making decisions as a as a surgeon but i'm sure it's pretty stressful when you've got people's lives on the line and their their health yeah. on the line so i'm sure that would could be emotionally taxing um you're not as emotionally taxing as as being a plumber and running a running a plumbing company and being the supervisor for that when you've got um uh, i've had some bad plumbing issues so that and i've, I've had people come over last minute so that's like being on call i guess in some ways yeah yeah <laughs> So you came on businesses, you found out about, you, you somehow found me, decided, uh, let's go down this route, let's buy an online business. Where, what happened from there? Like, tell me about how you decided to choose the right type of asset for you uh, and why. Yeah. I mean, the ROIs that have been described by not only you, but other, other online business um, mentors are pretty impressive. There's no such thing as 100% foolproof investment. But I mean, if you look at stocks right now, or if you look at real estate, you know, uh, you know, being able to get a loan for real estate, the margins are thinner than ever. Um, whereas online businesses, although, you know, they can vary, they're still fairly consistent. You know, it sounds like a monthly multiple of anywhere between the mid thirties and mid forties. That's, you can't beat that anywhere. Um, so that just as a business model or as a potential business result, you, you couldn't beat that. So that's, that's what intrigued me. Not only the lifestyle it could potentially afford, but just li the numbers alone were fairly impressive. I'm curious because you, you would have had the option to buy cash and also probably do some financing or do mostly financing. What made you, what helped you to make the decision on whether you wanted to go cash or use financing and, and why? I know the yeah. reason I ask is everybody listening is like what Robin says isn't the answer. It was Robin's, what's ideal for Robin based on his risk tolerance yeah. and what your is personally right for you. People feel sometimes like, just tell me the answer, Jared, like, do I need to do debt or not debt? Well, it depends on so many different things. So. How do you decide whether you wanted to use debt or not? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, I, I've had a career already, so I've been able to save and invest. So I, I do have already some other forms of income. With, and, and I also have a lot of debt. And so with real estate, it's all debt. Um, mm. And with debt comes, you know, responsibility as well. I mean, if a commercial property doesn't rent out for a period of time. You know, COVID was very scary. And so that really gave me pause. You know, do I really want to take on more debt mm. versus do I want to um, be debt-free in my ne next um, investment? Uh, that's That was the main reason why I chose not to rely on debt. Certainly if you use debt, you know, other people's money, that's, that's the golden rule is you can make more money by using funds from other institutions, but there's a, there's a liability. Like it having debt is a responsibility and I didn't need more of that. Definitely. definitely. I like that answer. Uh, it's definitely a responsibility. And I feel like sometimes people think it's just less easy way and let's mm -hmm. get other people's money and use debt and realize that it's not 
easiest way, it would be easier to buy with cash if you could, right? Yes. <laughs> Rather than having to pay somebody back and having that weigh not just on you personally, emotionally, but the business as well. And types of online businesses, you know, e-commerce, membership, yeah. SaaS, content. When you first came, discovered, oh, I want to buy an online business, what type of online business, like what model, business model did you believe would be best for you? Or were you thinking about buying and why? Yeah, that's a good point. And that's where I really relied on you know, many of your lessons. I mean, when you when you search online businesses, your 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 YouTube videos come up immediately and you've laid it out quite well, the risks and rewards of different types of online businesses. And what appealed to me about content or, you know, content businesses are the fact that the overhead's low. You don't have to worry about physical items and, you know, supply chain issues. We all, we've all heard about supply chain issues over the COVID crisis. Mm. I didn't want to have to deal with that. Um, online uh, content online businesses felt like it it would afford me the most freedom. Um, I could scale it as much or as little as I wanted. I could invest in as much or as little as I wanted. I and I re really wouldn't have to rely on others like supply chains or or whatnot. So that's what really appeals to me. You chose a content business. There's, I think that's I don't know. I think that's the best place to start for yeah. somebody who's a beginner, but I also think it's the best place for people to end as well. Uh, want to buy a business that's quite passive, unless with a caveat, you have some sort of specific knowledge that you can use as leverage in a, in a different business model. Um, right. You want to leverage. I know people that, people that us, Robin, uh, do some coaching in our mastermind that have specific knowledge in digital marketing and e-commerce, and they are going to use that as leverage to build their portfolio, but they want to decide to afterwards exit out of those sorts of deals so they can have a more passive uh, of different types of online businesses and those models that suit their lifestyle goals and their financial goals over uh, the e-commerce routes or a different business model, because that can be hard to choose it can be hard to get the lifestyle goals time wise and also the financial goals with profit margin wise with those types of businesses not to say there's anything against it but uh a different kettle of fish and i'm glad that you don't have all of that to learn and fumble around with which i guess we'll probably chat about towards the end around taking over the business and and what you've had to do and learn and stuff like that because that's going to be very insightful for people but what your business a couple of weeks ago, congratulations. Yeah. But what the, Thanks. what was the journey like? Tell me, tell me about some of the hardest things that you came up against. Some of the things that you, that might've been very profound for you that you learned that was critical, but let's probably start with, yeah. you know, the harder parts of the journey. So people can know what they have coming down the pipe when they decide to go this route as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm as new to online businesses and even, you know, digital, the digital economy as anyone can be. So if I can do it, I think anyone can do it. I didn't have a Facebook account until I did the online business teaching. And I realized, oh, I probably need to have a Facebook account in order to get on the community. So that's, that's how new I am. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, with, with my background in real estate, I, I needed uh, something, I needed a methodology to, uh, to create, to evaluate, to justify the value in online business. Mm. 
And so as I, as I read about you know, valuing these online businesses, I realized it's really similar to real estate. I mean, you can get a profit and loss statement and they can be longer or shorter or as granular as uh, you want them to be. And then you as a buyer make the decision, does, does this, do the numbers work out? And, but ultimately a deal is made between two people or two or individual, you know, people. And so the, the deal is, I think you feel most comfortable with the deal based on the seller. Um, and that's, that's what I felt comfortable with in this case. I did a lot of learning. Um, I mean, you're, we'll, we'll probably talk about the due diligence methodology that you've um, laid out your, your templates and your, all, all the different resources that we rely on. And if that didn't exist, then I don't think I'd move forward with, buying an online business. I mean, I'm the type of person who needs evidence and the due diligence framework gave me a way to get reproducible evidence. So, so grateful that that tool has been so helpful for you and so many others. Yeah. It's many years in iteration and many failures yeah. on my part. So yeah, it's, it's good to be able to save some people some time and, and some money with that. You said before about the seller and a lot of buying the business sort of relies on the relationship and the connection you have with the seller. I think that's so valuable that you sort of, you brought that up. People may get over and overrun with the data part of it, yeah. which is important. The data part and getting the data, putting it in the framework um, and analyzing it and getting our review is very, very important and understanding the data and looking at it from the, looking at it from the right lens. By the way, guys, mm -hmm. if you don't have our framework, make sure you get it. There'll be a link in the in the show notes. You can get it for free. Uh, important, but the part about the seller and the connection and the communication, the relationship you have with the seller. Tell me, tell me what you mean about that, because I think that's I think that's fascinating for people to learn more, especially with your background in due diligence in real estate and connecting with the seller of other assets as well. And what what you learned from that, you brought over into online businesses. Be cool to hear. Yeah, absolutely. You can get a sense of the seller or the person that you're doing business with very early by how readily available they are to answer difficult questions. Mm. And, you know, I compiled a bunch of questions based on all of the uh, due diligence teachings and all of the uh, lessons in your course. And so I had, I had about two or three pages of questions and real, you know, questions that are you could tell if someone's BSing you, right? Based on the way they ask questions, where they punt a question, or they don't have the data. And sometimes they're like how quickly they answer the questions. And this particular seller had the questions answered within 24 hours or less. The, the individual was in, in Asia, living in Asia. So, I mean, even with that time difference, we were able to get these things done. So I felt comfortable there from the start. Ultimately, you know, the, we, we, uh, conversed over zoom. Um, and that was also very reassuring. Um, it was an individual who wasn't in the business of flipping, making, making quick sales. It was a passion project for him. You could tell based on the content, the, the nature of the content, it was honest, um, content. It didn't, wasn't spammy. It wasn't, um, 
overly templated. He wasn't trying to sell anything. It was mostly display like like ads. It wasn't affiliate marketing or anything like that. He wasn't. He was an individual who left left the lived the lifestyle. Um, and so that was all very reassuring. So it was a very really sincere seller, mm. and it showed up in in his website. Now. And thanks for sharing. Now, from some of the other conversations you'd had with other sellers on Zoom calls or, or on any sort of call, not to nitpick or to uh, point out or anything like that, but what are some of the things that you noticed in sellers that you didn't gel with that they in how they communicated? Just so people can sort of see like, all right, what should I be looking out for and how people may deflexes or not actually answer the question the way it was asked or the communication that you may have had through through the calls. Yeah, what was what was what made it night and day? If it was night and day, maybe. But what was the what was the opposition like there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the reasoning for which the individual was selling the site varied. Some some of them didn't have great answers. Mm. There was stock answers like we're, we we want to go into other opportunities. There the the um, the story behind their investment into the site, whether it was a, they had just acquired it or they just created it in order to sell it, uh, which is fine. I mean, those those are fine to, to purchase, but that wasn't what I wanted. I think the, the you know, the valuations, how that, I, I, you know, I asked questions about justifying the price at which the individual was selling the, uh, the, the site. They weren't always up to speed and also kind of you know reasons explanations for certain blips in in traffic and revenues why the traffic was going down for a period of time but even more importantly why the traffic surged three months before selling the site mm -hmm. those those were red flags for me and the answers were they weren't necessarily the most sincere they're very stock and so it with when, when those answers were not you know, really good. I questioned the seller and therefore the site. It's a really good pickup. It's a really good pickup. And all those little things I see are from the foundation of somebody who started a site or bought a site to yeah. flip it or bought a started a site to sell it. And that's their main goal is, is money. And they may have missed some certain things around building the asset to be so damn solid that the owner can have a more passive lifestyle and a passive business right. whereas you know you can see that the owner of the site the previous owner of your site that you bought actually just used the business as a great asset because it was built well to leverage off and have a great lifestyle and there's a there's it's so different to see those types of businesses because when foundation of the seller's intention being long-term easy run less stress those businesses are so much more valuable and you may pay a higher yes. high multiple for them than somebody that's just like, I just need a quick buck, right? Is that what you notice yeah. as well? Or do you have anything to say to that? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think this, this particular seller had lived off this site and was able to travel based on the revenues of the site for a few years. Cool. And so his, his livelihood depended on it. And so he created a website that would be sustainable, that would, you know, he, he had answered that if I didn't sell a site, I'd be okay because honestly, this is my bread and butter. And so that he put that much care into the site 
where it seemed like it'd be a great thing to own as well. Whereas other sellers, you could tell they weren't really invested in the site, in not only monetarily, but otherwise. Um, and they were definitely a little pushy in the sale. And you could, you could sense the impatience in, in, their, in their selling. So I didn't, I didn't like that. Yeah, makes sense. Now, you are no longer working as a surgeon. You're retired. Congratulations. How does that feel? Thank you. That feels uh, incredible. You you remember the emails I, I sent you? I literally there was the first few emails are this is my situation. You know this is how I see online businesses allowing me to move forward, but I'm scared. Mm. Um, and then I remember one of your emails saying um, it, it's natural to be scared, but just think of it just both emotionally as well as monetarily, and you you portrayed both sides and in both. In both instances, it makes sense. I mean, I could do it. Yeah. And so, my following email, I announced to you that I, I took the I took the leap and I retired. And yeah, um, that was great. It was great to see that email because <laughs> yeah. there's no right there's no right or wrong answer, right? It's like and decent, you know, decent money, uh, and you'd quit or you could do a hybrid. But it came back to what was right for you personally and what you want to like how you wanted to spend your time and like the fear thing is like scared. like if you're not scared you're there's you're not a human i mean right. you're you how long have you been a surgeon for right decades yeah. and you're exactly. getting outside your comfort zone of course that's going to be scary but outside the comfort zone is where that growth and the change come from which is which is this yeah. so i'm so thrilled for you and it also gave you an opportunity to lean further into the business and more more time focused on that which is this is now that you like how much time per week do you feel or how many due diligence did you due diligence did you do because i noticed that you are a lot more proactive than many other people uh big time uh how like what did that look like for you like how many hours roughly were you you know working on this and per week and and, and what did that look like yeah that's a good question. You know, and as you know, a lot of these brokers um, introduce new sites, you know, at the beginning of the week or certain times of the week. And, and so I would probably at least do a quick due diligence based on another lesson you taught us, which there are eight, eight points, eight bullet points, which you can use to quickly weed out certain, certain sites that aren't right for you. So I would do that you know, for 10 to 15 sites a week. But then in terms of when I spotted something that hit my initial criteria, I would, you know, do the due diligence. And I, and I, uh, I tell folks, you know, my first few due diligences took four hours or so, but over the course of, you know, just practicing, you know, I got it down to two hours and I'm sure I'm probably a little bit faster now. But so I initially did, it's like the funnel kind of method. Initially I, I cast a broad net I was able to weed out a lot of a lot of businesses, mm. and then those that were interesting to me, I'd spend more time on them, um, and I got faster over time. But I maybe I did ten to fifteen due diligences um, over the course of uh, two months. Right, that's very that's very active. Um, that like say say it was fifteen due diligences. The reason I ask is because a lot of people listening are like, I want to buy a business. I want to make money as soon as possible. and I want to do it within like a two month period, right? right? You did this in a two month right. period. 
but you had a lot more time. You did 15 due diligences. Some other yeah. people have a full-time job, 40 to 50 hours a week. They have two younger children. I know that your children are a bit older, a bit more self-sufficient mm -hmm. now, which is great. You get to go ski with them and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but they might have two younger children, a wife, full-time job, and they're trying to get out of that full-time job so they can spend more time with their family, which is awesome. That is the, at the core why I do this. So people have that time freedom to spend more time doing what they love with people they love. That, oh, I need to put in the, I need to do this over a period of time and I'm, the inputs, I should be measuring the inputs, not the time. Whereas they may see, okay, Robin did this in two months. If I, if I give myself two months, I can do this as well. Whereas I have time to do a due diligence every week or two every week or 15 wow. in two months. Most people don't have that time. And then they get to that two month mark and they realize I can't do this. I'm a, or this system doesn't work. I'm going to go find the, find a, a get rich quick scheme or chase the other shiny ball. And it's such a shame to see because actually last two weeks we've had two people in Bob, the community, because they've yeah. left, tried something else and then come back in years in between. So they'd spent all this time doing stuff and not getting the result and then coming back and realizing that this vehicle is build well slowly over time vehicle and it works if they stick with it. So what do you think about the, the time frame thing and the inputs versus the results? I mean, you, in one of your lessons, you said at best, it's like time is your enemy or measuring time is your enemy. Mm. And so you can't, you can't measure the wrong things, which is, and you can't compare yourself to other people because everyone has a, a, a different situation. If you were to measure time and, and say, well, it's, I spent two months or two years or two days and I've done this many due diligence and I've, it's resulted in A or B, I mean, you're, you're bound to be a little uh, dis discouraged. You say it, you said it before, you got to keep your focus on what you want and, and not just making money or, mm. you know, quitting your job. It's, it's, what do your, what do you want your life to be in one year, three years and five years? That's how I always plan my life. And if your one-year plan, a three-year plan is, you know, I want a source of income in addition to what I'm doing, or I want freedom and be able to travel or be able to spend more time with my family or to start a different project, that should be your impetus to, and your measurement. It shouldn't be like, I got to get an online business by this time or I failed. It's got to be this is my stepping stone to what I want in one, three or five years. I don't think you should measure your results in by time. I think, you know, when I went medical school and residency took, I don't know how many years, if I was measuring my failures or successes based on time, I would have not been a doctor. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Time is, time is so different because <clears throat> buy a business and they might actually want to grow up from like a thousand dollars a month to two thousand dollars a month and they might give themselves a year to do it after a year and they've gone from a thousand dollars a month to fifteen hundred dollars a month and they go ah oh, it didn't work and they might try and sell the business yeah. but they don't realize mm -hmm. in the next two or three months after that they might have got to the two thousand dollar mark range and right. in reality just because you're measuring time 
quit on your actual goal, which could come later down the track, but 50% growth in even like if you're trying to get that in one year, that's huge, right? 1000 to 2000, that's huge. If you give yourself 50% growth over a three year time period, I still think that's awesome. Online businesses can move up and down and sideways and move very, very fast up, but they can also move very, very fast down. We need to consider that as well. So yeah, I'm so glad that we brought up the time thing, Robin. Now this, you spent some time learning online businesses as a whole in general, like you didn't do social media, didn't have a, a Facebook account or anything like that. You knew nothing about the online business space when you joined. People that listen to this podcast are like, I want to get into this, but they've got this hurdle, this gap of like, how do I, how do I start to learn some of the stuff or can I actually buy an online business or earn an income online if I don't know how to do the mm -hmm. tech stuff? And we get, we have people join all the time like this. They get great results like you. But what are the parts about going through not knowing online businesses work to, to buying a business? What were some of the hardest parts that you think people should look out for? I think first and foremost, it's these days there's so many get rich quick types of schemes. Mm. And so certainly I've been, you know, subjected to some of them. You gotta use your own judgment and you, you've gotta listen to all the different folks that are in this space and whether or not they're saying something that's consistent, whether you feel it feels good to you or whether you feel like it's kind of a, a quick sale type of scenario. I think folks will be a little suspicious if they've been in other businesses like restaurants or brick and mortar by the some of the ROIs or some of the you know multiples that you see on online businesses. Certainly it doesn't happen all the time, but more often than not, the multiples that people describe in their testimonials are, are valid. Coming from real estate, if I if I were to see an ROI of 30%, let alone 15% or 20%, I'd be amazed. But I mean, th these these ROIs are, are visible. You know, the other important thing is this isn't a startup type thing. This is, these are established businesses. Mm. They just happen to be in the digital space. They have track records of, of profit. And you can see the profit and losses right in front of you where the, the proof is, is in the numbers. They can be confirmed. Um, so that's, that's the important thing is to, to kind of keep an open mind about this type of asset. Use your own due diligence in terms of what are uh, assets that are good or bad. Look at your situation and figure out exactly what you're you know, expecting to get out of it, how much you can invest. Um, consider the barriers of entry on any business stocks. Anyone can buy a penny stock or whatnot, but are you owning anything versus being able to own something that's tangible that, that you could potentially afford to buy and also to scale. There's not a lot out there that you can do that, that you can literally get on your phone and look at your website and say, this looks great or I need to fix this and then watch the traffic. You brought up something really cool around the stocks. Like you can buy a stock, but roll it, which means like you can't buy yeah. part of a business and scale it and grow it because you don't control it. Um, own part of the business, but you have zero say, which right. can be okay. But the ability to be able to grow, grow your asset is, is very, 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 very valuable. Speaking of the asset. And feel free to share numbers if you're open to it, like um, price, multiple, monthly yeah. profit. If you're open to it, I'd love we'd love to hear that. If not, that's totally cool. 
Um, yeah, what was the, what was the multiple, and how did you work out the deal? Like, how did you work out the deal structure, and, and why did you do it that way? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the price is above two hundred k, and as I mentioned, it's a content site. It was primarily it primarily relied on ads, no affiliates. So there's there's some upside potential to it that you could see over time. And the multiple uh, that was offered initially was forty five. So a monthly multiple of 45. And that was in the hands of the seller who did most of the work himself. Mm-hmm. And so after creating a rapport with the seller, uh, um, and the seller had multiple offers at the time, and they some of these offers could have been you know, better than mine in terms of just about money. I kind of let that person know, this is, I think the site's great. It's an honest site. I respect the fact that he, he made it from scratch. Uh, I know it's important to him because his bread and butter, that's his bread and butter. However, in my hands, who you know probably will not write all the content, will probably outsource a lot of the SEO bit work and things. And quite frankly, I, there, there's some work that needs to be done. I said, this is the value in my hands. So um, from the 45 multiple, we got it to 39. Congratulations. That's so cool. And I want to talk about those expenses. Uh, Brokers would call them ad backs because this is very, very big here that helped you hugely. One is you became an attractive buyer. You are an attractive buyer. Uh, We have that in the course on how to become an attractive buyer, which helps you so much with getting your offer accepted, even over another person who may bid higher than you. Secondly, getting down from a 45 multiple to a 39 multiple is very valuable because there is a way that with these ad backs that you can not have to pay all of the ad back, pay for all of the ad backs or have that baked into the deal. The reason so many brokers put ad backs in is so they can bump up the price of the deal. And when they bump up the price of the deal, they bump up their commission structure and the seller and the broker are super happy. (laughs) Good on them. That's great, but we're buyers here. So I like to teach people, and you can learn if you know how to do this the right way, in how to decrease a multiple, buy business for less, less the else's bidding by two things, understanding how you can fight the ad backs and there's a specific way that needs to be done, right, Robin? Like you need to word it in a way and you need to end the business and the expenses and what's gonna be moving forwards and then also have being an attractive buyer. Tell me about how, how valuable, or how important that was to you. Cause I'm sure it saved a, a bunch of money. In the, in the Absolutely. Value. I mean, I was just, I was honest with the individual and said, this is my first purchase and I'm fairly new in the space. I also, you know, I, I went through the whole kind of the math behind it. He realized, yeah, I mean, he's speaking the truth. This is how, how much it would cost to hire certain people. So I was, I was fairly, um, granular about like I laid out the numbers in my hands what it would cost in my hands to run it and so he he agreed I mean his definition of of these values aren't they're not ad backs those are fixed costs I mean you in your hands you would have that's how you would be able to run this business I, I don't know that every seller would respect that Correct. Um, I and I don't know how much whether he liked me I, I, I certainly treated him with a lot of respect and all the emails 
were I, I, I crafted it in a way where it looked like I spent time and thought in them. No spelling mistakes. No, like you know, it, it, they they seem like I really it, I cared, which which I did. Mm. Um, and and similarly, his emails were like well crafted. They were they were understandable, and um, and we we didn't see eye to eye and everything. Um, but I think in the end, we we valued each other's opinions, and I think that's how we came to an agreement. So it's it's back to deal making between individuals like it like you you teach us like be respectful mm. be that be that very you know that buyer that that may win the deal even though you might not you know you know offer the most money huge you can actually knowledge this is what i like to tell people knowledge people can buy your you can literally buy yourself respect by having specific knowledge, caring about the person. And it's that's when you think about it, that's attractive, right? Somebody that knows yeah. where they stand, they know about the industry, they know about what the, what the costs are of these expenses. And they know if it's a reality of like what a business owner would have to pay. And you communicate that in a way like this is fair, whether it's right for me or whether it's right for any other person that's you, you give the business to this is the fair value of the business for anybody that owns it regardless regardless of it's if it's me or not and being able to communicate in a way that you did robin helps so much it literally buys you respect and makes you attractive and that's what i'm all about in and you you have the benefit definitely of learning it through the through the course but you've also got some experience in doing so with real estate so that definitely i feel played a played a good role into it as well now that you have the business what are the next what are the next steps where do you, where do we go from here do you have goals what's you know where do you go from here that's a good point i mean i, I i'm literally learning as i take over this business i you know, as you know, there's uh, accounts, ad accounts that I'm logging into and trying to figure out what, you know, how much you know, traffic is being uh, earned every day and how, what the earnings are. I'm trying to not get too emotional or too fixed by the day-to-day -day up and downs. Because mm -hmm. like I said, online businesses, they, they show daily trend changes. And so I'm trying not to get overly concerned about those things when they go down. Obviously it's nice when it comes, it goes up. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working with you to help me create a team as well. The technical aspects, the SEO aspects, which are always moving dynamic um, for anybody, let alone someone who's beginning like myself. Mm. Trying to figure out how do I, what do I want the structure of the, of the website to be? How, what do I want to convey to the reader? How do I want to, I, I want to be respected in in the niche, either through by myself, but more likely through proxy. Um, and I want to keep the integrity of the of the site because I think that'll uh, make it a sustainable site. Um, it'll be true to the the original uh, creator of the site who who did a great job, and I think it'll result in a more profitable site over the long run. So I'm I'm in it for the long haul. Mm. I, I don't want to flip it. I want to create a portfolio. I want to create a team that that I could deploy in future uh, future purchases. Highlight what you said because people may not have really what I heard to grow the site, and you went straight into 
adding value, being full, having high integrity in the space and giving value to the reader before I just want to get it from X amount per month to this amount per month. That was the baseline. That was the foundation. And I'm so glad uh, that I get to work with you on this site, help you build a team because where it's coming from is is a really good place. And I think people think take um, a really good mindset to have when you're looking at growing your content business or any business is come from that place. And then, yes, it will become highly profitable, which this business already is. Robin, there are a lot of people listening that are thinking about buying a site to start their journey. What advice would you give to them to finish off with? Um, I think you can't do this alone. And so you need to find a mentor. There, as you mentioned, there, there are folks who have come and gone in this niche before. Maybe they, it, the timing wasn't right. But I think they're coming back with it because they realize the mentorship is is valuable and honest. You 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 can tell you, you can tell when an individual is a straight shooter when you feel comfortable with them. Mm. They're when they're you don't feel like you're being sold something. And I think that's the first thing is to is to have good mentorship. And then second is is don't be discouraged. I mean, you're gonna have ups and downs. You're you're gonna have you're going to be close to deals and lose deals. You're going to feel frustrated that there is no quote unquote perfect deal for you. Have an open mind and don't be discouraged by small failures. You know, you, you talk to us about, you know, you always ask us about small wins and think about those small wins. They add up into a bigger win. Um, they're all moving into a certain trajectory, a certain vector of your one, three or five year plan. And you got to think about it that way. I think if you're, don't get discouraged, you're, you're patient, you think about the long game and you find a good mentor, you'll, you'll find joy in the process as well as the path, as well as the outcome, the, the destination. I love it. Thank you so much, Robin. Congratulations. I look yeah. forward to working with you Thank and you. maybe we, we see how you go in, in, in some time in the future. And then maybe we have another chat again, depending on if you still own the cool. site or, or where you're at, but yeah, thanks so much. Uh, there's so much value yeah. in here for people. So we really do appreciate you coming on and sharing.